Welcome to Tiger Talk, the podcast for Mercy High School in Middletown, Connecticut, where we talk about everything Mercy, including students, faculty and staff, alumni, and leaders in our community. Learn more about Mercy High School at our website, mercyhigh.com. and welcome to our latest episode of the Tiger Talk podcast, where we talk about everything related to Mercy High School in Middletown, Connecticut. My name is Alyssa Dijon. I am the president, and I am delighted today to be joined by an alumna and three of our students so that we can talk about all things legal. This is going to be great. Um, so Trisha Riley, is attorney, attorney Patricia Riley, is from the class of 78 and is a partner at Mirtha Kalina. So Trisha, thank you so much for joining the Tiger Talk podcast. Thank you for having me. This is great. And um, our students are all part of our mock trial club. And, um, and would you please uh, introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Cassidy. I'm a senior. I'm Marin, and I'm a junior. I'm Gigi. I'm a sophomore. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. This is this is fantastic. Um, I I want to start uh, with you, Trisha. I have a couple of questions for you because I know that you focus on uh, a lot of law related to labor practices, employment law, and, and, and things like that. And I saw in your bio that you litigate employment and restrictive covenant cases in state and federal courts. So could you explain um, what that means to us? Sure, I'd be happy to. So my practice has actually evolved. I started out as a trial attorney where I tried cases of various sorts. I did a lot of commercial litigation, breach of contract, two corporations suing each other. And that's where I got my trial experience from. I also did a lot of divorce law when I first started practicing law, and I was very happy to get out of that field. That was not a pleasant way to practice law, but people who are good at it are very good at it, and they enjoy it. So I took my litigation and trial skills, and I uh, transferred them into the area of employment law. So I represent companies, corporations uh, who are accused of discrimination for the most part, And I sometimes try those cases and we sometimes settle them in mediations, particularly in federal court. We have wonderful federal court magistrate judges who are great at mediating cases. We have a lot of private mediators in the state who are excellent as well. So my primary focus has been representing corporations, but not just corporations. My practice also, um, in my practice, I represent independent um, and private schools and universities. So I am on the side of the institution in those cases. I have done a denial of tenure cases where um, a person may not get tenure for one reason or another, and then they sue the university. And so that's been a large part of my practice. Now, the thing about being a trial lawyer is that it prepares you also to be a good advisor and counselor to the organizations. So now after 30 years of practice, my job has transformed very much into both trial work and advice and counsel. And I must say that I love the advice and counsel piece of it because I can take the experience of having tried cases. I know what juries look for or what they look at in employment situations, and I can advise employers about how to avoid liability 
and how to treat employees in the best way that they should in compliance with the law. And all of my clients want to do the right thing. So they always contact me when they're in a tricky situation with an employee to ensure that they are doing the right thing, providing employees, for example, with all of the leave that they're entitled to if they have a disability or pregnancy leave in Connecticut, which we've had on the books for quite some time. And now with paid family medical leave, there's uh, necessary education of my clients for how to use it, how to provide it to employees properly. So my practice has evolved from a strict litigation and trial practice into one where I can use that knowledge and information to help employees and to advise and clients to do the right thing. Restrictive covenants, uh, that's really a subset of employment law, although it's also partly a hybrid of employment law and commercial litigation, which, as I said, is what I started out doing. So a restrictive covenant is one in which an employer will require an employee to sign an agreement in which the employee says, I will not work for a competing company say one year after my employment. That's called a non-compete agreement. That's one kind of restrictive covenant. Another kind is a non-solicitation in which the, the employee, when they join the company, agrees not to solicit employees from that company for another company if they leave. So what happens when I've tried those cases, sometimes they'll involve or, or solicit clients. So sometimes I've had those cases where you have a salesperson who leaves a company and steals the clients from that company to take them over to the new company. And so I've represented companies and trials of those sorts of cases and have won where, you know, the person steals the clients. And then if they get a judgment against them, they're going to have to pay back their old company for the theft of uh, whatever revenue they generated from those clients, et cetera. So those are interesting. And I really enjoyed doing those because they were a hybrid of my commercial breach of contract cases. And usually with a restrictive covenant, it is a breach of a contract because the uh, non-solicitation or non-compete agreement is considered a contract. So, and then you have various kinds of claims that go along with that. So that's really um, my background. I, I wanted to be a trial lawyer. I knew that's what I wanted to do when I was in law school. And that is the kind of career that I have pursued and I've really enjoyed in particular practicing employment law because I get the uh, benefit of going into court if I want to do that and litigating cases. But I also can settle those cases. I can advise the clients of the risks of trying cases and the uncertainty of trying cases. But what I really, as I said, at this point in my career, really enjoy is taking all of that knowledge and information and using it to help companies and schools, universities, healthcare organizations, long-term organizations. These are all my types of clients that I have and help them to manage their employees properly, to avoid any liability and to do the right thing under the law. So there's been a huge sea change in laws uh, relating to employment in the 30 years when I started. When I first started, there were hardly any employment laws. But during that time, both uh, Connecticut, which is a very progressive state in terms of employment laws that support employees, and federal laws have really multiplied to support workers in the workplace. And that's been really satisfying for me to see. Um, and I've enjoyed uh, advising my clients accordingly so that they can do the right thing. I know, um, Cassidy, you had a question for Attorney Riley. 
Yeah, I so I'm a senior this year and I'm going to college uh, this fall and I'm interested in going to law school. So I would I was wondering um, what advice would you give to an undergraduate interested in applying to law school? I think that what the skills that you gain as an undergraduate that can help you in law school are writing, really writing, hone your writing skills, analytical skills in the reading courses that you take. And those are the skills that are going to serve you very well in law school. But I will also say that law, the law school that I went to, I went to Berkeley in California, and we had people who had been doctors in previous careers, nurses, um, engineers, you could really do any kind of undergraduate education and go to law school because it's such a broad, there's no real prerequisites as you have, for example, for medical school. Um, So I think you should study whatever you love. And then if you want to go to law school, go to law school. So you don't have to do a formal pre-law program in order to get into law school or go to law school. I myself was a medieval history major. And I think part of that was because of my Catholic upbringing that I really felt like close to the Middle Ages and the ceremony of, um, you know, of the church that continues to this day. And so I just wanted to learn more about the history. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was the most impractical major that I could have thought of. My father wanted me to biz- to do business administration. He thought, what am I doing in, in you know, medieval history of all things? And um, so I did uh, have that as my undergraduate major, which I loved. So I'm kind of a proponent of do what, what you love, do it for the sake of because you love it, you know, and for law school, I don't think law schools have prerequisites except for you take the LSAT. And so you know, that has logic skills, um, verbal skills, and that's that's what I think. But take courses that you love and that interest you. Do you know yet where you're going to college? Or, or you yeah, waiting? I'm actually going to the college that was Mr. Zong went to. I'm going to Boston College. Oh, what a great school. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thank you. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, I mean, do well at BC and you'll, you know, do well anywhere. So of course <laughs> they have a fantastic law school as well. Mm-hmm. So, and also doesn't BC have a lot of requirements that you have to take too before you oh, do yeah. your major? So that, yeah, that kind of uh, broad liberal arts uh, undergraduate education, I am a strong proponent of that. And that is going to serve you very well. The writing, the research and writing skills that you will learn at BC will hold you in great stead for law school. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I think, uh, Marin, you had a a really interesting question too about uh, personal values. Yeah, I was wondering, because I also read your, your short bio, and I was wondering, would you say your personal values align with your job? And do you think that that is important in the law field? That is such a really insightful question. That's a great question. And I have to say, probably I struggled with that more as a new lawyer, because I wasn't sure when I first started practicing that my own personal values completely aligned with what I was doing in my job. And part of the struggle for me was I was on the side of the corporations as opposed to an individual. And some people may feel more passionate about, you know, representing the individual against the company, feeling that the person was wronged. 
And the thing for me is that over time, I came to believe that there are two sides to every story. And that particularly in the area that I practice in employment law, we're just talking about people. The corporation is the people who, you know, the manager, the supervisor. And frankly, if they, what I have found more often than not is if there's an error, it has, it's not straight up discrimination, but it's probably a bad management. They just weren't treating the person properly. And, and I have found that. So I will advise clients to settle cases in part because it's costly to try them. But also, look, if someone wasn't a good manager, that's a business error that that person made. And it's a cost of doing business that you have to pay for it. So sometimes I think of the settlement of a lawsuit or the representation in a lawsuit as it's a cost of doing business. Also, when I used to do uh, corporate litigation and contracts, it was one big company suing another big company over money And to me, that was kind of a neutral, uh, morally neutral thing because it was two corporations fighting it out over money. And I felt like the law was perfectly suited for that. That's why we had the law. You know, the law started out as just, you know, people with money fighting over the money, really. And it has only more recently evolved into an area for justice and, for example, you know, human rights and those kinds of things. So, The other thing I will say to you is that because I did have a strong interest in using the law to do what I could to help people, especially in the beginning of my career, but throughout my career, I did a significant amount of pro bono work. So that is work that which you're representing underrepresented people who can't pay. And what I did my pro bono work in was domestic violence. So I represented women who were victims of domestic violence. I helped them get uh, restraining orders. And most good law firms will uh, support a lawyer doing pro bono work. That's in the American Bar Association supports lawyers doing pro bono work. So I found that I was able to align my values with my career by doing pro bono work and 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 also I did. So when I first graduated, I did work for legal aid in um, California for a short period of time. And what I did learn from that experience is that for me personally, first of all, I'm just going to be honest about it, about it. I did need to make money and the pay, you know, at, at some of these jobs was just not enough. And I so I did have to think about how am I going to fulfill my desire to do some good things in the world with my necessity of making an income that was going to support support me at that time. So I actually gave a lot of thought to all of the things you're thinking of. And I'll just be honest here, I also did do a case early in my career in which I represented employees against the employer. And I just found it very draining because it was not just law, it was supporting the person emotionally, almost being like a psychologist. And frankly, I did a lot of that with my divorce law in the beginning. It aligned with my values in terms of supporting a person going through a very difficult time. The most satisfying cases I did in divorce law involved, they were sad, but um, I had two cases in which grandparents gained custody of grandchildren because their 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 children, the parent, the parents of the child neglected them, couldn't, and mostly it was drugs involved. So it was, it, it aligned with my values and that I was getting help for the children. 
Um, but they were really, really sad, emotionally difficult situations that ultimately, um, and, and, and divorce in general was, was very, very tough, tough field in terms of the emotions involved. But I think that's a terrific question. And honestly, as my career evolved, um, I did give a lot of that, a lot of thought, and I am fortunate enough to be in a law firm right now in a stage in my career where I love my clients and I love the mission of all my all my clients. I mean, I represent quasi-public agencies, one that does low-income housing. I represent 501c3 nonprofits, hospitals, healthcare, long-term care, as I said, independent schools, private schools, colleges and universities. So I feel like at this point in my career, my values have very much aligned. Um, my career, um, pro, you know, my career has very much aligned with my values, and I'm lucky enough to be a mentor to young, younger lawyers, and particularly women, because you know I raised a family, and I was in fact a widow for part of my career, and so I with two children, and so I know what it's like to try to balance a career with having a family. And um, so that's part of how I use my values in my career as well, is to support families. I've done that for men as well. You know, my young male associates who've had families just try to make, you know, the work-life balance, while it's never going to be perfect, try to make the workplace, you know, a good place for people. You spend so much time working. So that's been another way in which I've tried to align my values with my career. But boy, is that a great question. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and, and girls, I'd love to talk a little bit too about your mock trial experience, right? So you're in the middle of, of the season now. And, and I know, um, you know, how, how does that, how does that work? I know some of you are on the plaintiff side and some are on the defense side. Yeah. So we have two teams and it's about the prosecution of plaintiff and then the defense. And we both we both represent the different sides of the same case. What are the fact? What's the fact pattern? What is the case about? I'm not entirely sure how much we can talk about it with it being recorded because I, there's certain rules. We have um, a bunch of evidence and witness statements to go off of. This year we have a civil case, and it's about negligence, proving negligence. That's great experience. They did not have a mock trial team when I was at Mercy, or I definitely would have been on it. So that's very cool. Exactly. And I know it's been a couple of days. There's a couple of all day events where you're actually presenting the case and it's unfolding. Um, so that's why they're right in the middle of it. Oh, I know you can't you know, give us a lot of details <laughs> now, but it's so, I, I think that's so exciting. And yeah, what wonderful experience. Oh, yeah. To have. You, is, is this purely extracurricular or do you get credit, course credit nope. for it? Yeah, we get course credit for it. So oh, it's oh, as a social studies great. class. Okay. That's great. And I know that they also have a college mock trial program in a lot of places. Were you ever a part of anything like that? I don't think I took mock trial in law school. And I definitely, we did not have mock trials in, to my knowledge, in my undergraduate um, school. But we definitely had trial practice. You know, you could take all of those courses, trial practice, which would include a mock trial. I have served as a mock trial judge for Quinnipiac Law School, and that's been a really fun experience. In fact, I think it was actually 
um, national or regional finals that uh, were held at Quinnipiac a few years ago. And I did that. And, you know, mock trial is one of the best experiences you can have if you think you want to be a lawyer. It, it really helps you see what it what it's like. I mean, they do set those programs up to reflect what law really is, what it really is like to litigate a case. So that's great. I'm really glad you're doing that. I would say, yes, the more experience along the lines that you can get, the better. And uh, Gigi, I know you had a question for Attorney Riley about uh, different training. So outside of like your law degree, did you do any special training like referring to what you wanted to do specifically in law? Well, when I graduated from undergrad, I worked as a paralegal. So, and I worked as a paralegal for various places, a law firm, a consulting firm. And I did that in San Francisco before I went to law school. I am a proponent of working before going to law school because I think it helps you understand what you want to do. It gives you the perspective and a little more maturity about what law would be like, what it's like to have a real job. And so I did work for a couple of years as a paralegal, and that's where I learned that I definitely wanted to do trial work. Um, And I worked on a really interesting case that ultimately it was about the First Amendment, and it ultimately went to the United States Supreme Court after I left that job as a paralegal and went uh, to law school. So I was very fortunate enough to have incredible experiences as a paralegal, um, and that really sealed the deal for me. I thought this, this is for me. Um, Gigi, you had another question too about the the bar exam. Uh, Yeah, I was wondering about the process and how it would work specifically. It's hard. (laughs) I'm smiling. No one can hear. No one can see me smiling on the podcast, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, um, my daughter just took it last summer for New York and it's I'm not going to lie. It's grueling. (laughs) Um, New York and California are still the hardest, as I understand it, in the country. Connecticut was hard, but they've changed it a little bit. They've made it more uniform throughout the country. When I did it, I did it. I was and you have to do this. And my daughter did this. You just treat it like a job. Like you get up in the morning, you study from eight to five or eight to 10 or whatever you do. But you always you also have to give yourself an outlet, like go run or swim. I swam and I would, you know, study from study eight or nine or 10 hours and take a break and then get up and do it again. It, it was, it was, a, you know, you had to be very disciplined to do it. Well, that's good to know too. Yeah. But you'll do it. If you're a good student, you do well, you know, in law school, you're, you're going to pass the bar exam. And, uh, and Marin, I know you had another question about what uh, attorney Riley wished she knew. Yeah, I was just wondering um, what you wish you had known about law school or just the law field in general before you started. So I think the only thing I learned, but I learned it by trial and error, is um, I thought I could work part time as a lawyer when I had my daughter. And that really was a joke (laughs) because I got part-time pay for what essentially was full-time work. So my advice to women lawyers is, again, things may have changed. This was 
28 years ago. But at that time, when I went, quote unquote, part time, you know, I couldn't really take a day off. So so for me, the idea of sort of being part time, yeah, it might make sense from a billable hour point of view. You know, if the billable hour requirement is X and you're only working Y, okay, they pay you less. But it's really hard, especially once you have clients, if you're in private practice as I am, to say, you know, uh, you're never going to find me on a Wednesday if that's my day off. You know, it's really hard to just kind of make the boundaries. But what I found in my practice, again, over 30 years, is that for me, technology helped me because in the very olden days, you were tied to your desk. Everything was on paper. You didn't, I didn't even, I mean, literally I, you know, have days, my daughter even remembers this. I mean, she doesn't remember this particular part. My firm was so flexible and so supportive of me as a mother. I used to take that baby into the office and my colleagues would walk her up and down the hallway in the stroller so I could finish writing the brief. So <laughs> I think what's important, and this is what I tell my daughter, and this is what I've said earlier, you, you know, it's the people you work with, right? You're working with people. Do you like the people that you're working with? Are you working in a supportive environment? Are you working in an environment doing work that you love? And, and if you don't like your first job, try something else. But I also have a lot of friends who got a law degree who are not practicing law. They've done other things, you know, with their law degree. I'm really glad I got a law degree. I considered getting a PhD in history and I did get into Berkeley's PhD in history program. And I chose to do law instead. And for me, it was the right decision. I could have done both, but no, (laughs) I had to draw the line on education somewhere. So, so for me, it uses my skills of, as you can see, talking, that's a good skill I have. reading, writing, arguing, you know, so I think if those are your skills and, you know, then you can analytical skills. um, I still think it's a great career. And I love that we have more women and more women involved in law. I just think the more women in, in this career, the better for all of us. We bring fresh perspectives. We bring a different way of looking at the world. We bring Sometimes, you know, even now we're still the primary caretakers. And, and so we have that sensitivity to what, how challenging it can be. And we can support other women coming up the ladder. And so I love that you are interested in law. And I think it's, and you don't have to do private practice. It's what I chose. But I'm this woman I was just talking to before this call is um, a district attorney. So she's in criminal law. She's a criminal prosecutor. You can do criminal defense. You can go in-house and work for a hospital or, you know, a university. A good friend of mine is the general counsel at Wesleyan down the street from you. Um, You know, there's just so much you can do in this career and you have a lot of flexibility in in my view. Fantastic. No, and I agree with you. Trisha, depending on where you work, the, the, the work-life balance will, will work itself out. You know, if you're a, if you are a good worker and your employer kind of embraces and supports all of its employees, it works out. (laughs) Yes. And if, if you're at an employer who doesn't support that, find one who does. Find one who does. In this, in this day and age, you can make your choices that lead you to where you should be. You've done that. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. I just think this is great. I hope girls that you feel hopeful about this, you know, I know you're thinking about a, a legal career, you're, you're in mock trial. This is fantastic. You're trying it out. Um, and, and here you were hearing from uh, attorney Riley that, you know, it, this can be done you know? <laughs> and you can really find, it sounds like in the legal field too, there's so many ways in where you, where you can go. There's so many employers um, and you can find something that aligns with who you are and what your personal mission is. You can find a company that supports that mission. Yeah. I, I do think that um, there are ways to this. I mean, you know, it is costly. So I'll tell you what I did. I did not have money for law school. So I moved to California at that time, established residency, got a job, which is part of the reason why I worked as a paralegal, because I needed to work, make money and establish residency. But that then that enabled me to apply to the University of California as an in-state resident. Oh, at that time, I got into the law school. And again, back then it was very inexpensive. And that's how I was able to afford to go to law school. Um, so again, if you really want something, if you really desire something, you will find a way, you will pray about it. You will, you know, you will get guidance. You will talk to people about it and you will find a way. And the other thing I want to say, it's great that you're interested in law now, you know, as, as juniors, seniors, sophomores, and it's, it's wonderful that you're pursuing this. But part of the thing about a good undergraduate education, like one at BC too, is that you're exposed to things you never knew you'd be exposed to. Right. And so you might find something, oh, this is so interesting. I think I want to do this instead. Attorney uh, Riley, Cassidy, Marin, Gigi, thank you so much for your time and for this great conversation. I really just enjoyed spending time with all of you. And for all of you listeners on the podcast today, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Tiger Talk podcast. Listen to the latest episodes at mercyhigh.com or subscribe to get the latest podcasts delivered to your device, either at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify.